Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyover Labs with Dave Cruz from Madison, Wisconsin. And today we are lucky enough to have Mark Young with us. And Mark is the CTO of the Climate Corporation. And the Climate Corporation provides data for farmers to increase their yields and efficiency. And we'll talk more about some of their products. But what's interesting is that Climate Corporation is in the middle of managing and analyzing huge data sets to provide uh, insights on a, a very local level. So it's uh, pretty cutting-edge stuff. And as CTO, Mark is in charge of making this happen from a, a technical perspective. So it's off, often easy to dream up new ideas, like I want to see the moisture levels on every square foot. But then from a technical perspective, how do you actually make it happen? So Mark has a wonderful background beyond that in mobile and other areas that we'll talk about as well. So I definitely appreciate uh, Mark coming on. Mark, thanks for uh, joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on your show. And uh, so let's first, like I mentioned, you have a, a really interesting background. And uh, and that's probably how you uh, eventually got to be CTO at the Climate Corporation, which is a pretty um, impressive role. Can you, can you share a little bit about your background and I know you went to Purdue, which is cool. Of course, it's another Big Ten school. Um, but, yeah, give a little bit about your background. Yeah, sure. So um, I actually grew up on a farm, um, kind of what we would refer to as a hoppy farm now with, with the customers that we deal with. But um, we did a little bit of everything. We did uh, some corn, some soybeans. Um, we had beef cattle when I was young. And then we uh, got it more into horses and uh, horse hay business. Uh, so I've, I've bailed and stacked a lot of hay uh, growing up. Huh. And um, mom and dad still live there. Um, Dad's just turned 77, and he's that was his, his final year of farming. So now he's sort wow. of losing it to the far, farmer next door and uh, thinking about what he's going to do in his retirement. But um, from there, I, uh, I I went to Purdue, like I mentioned, and uh, I ended up getting a computer science degree. Um, and when I graduated, I, I moved uh, from there to Silicon Valley, California. So I've uh, had a variety of uh, of interesting roles. And in why Silicon why did Valley. you move to a, why did you move to Silicon Valley? Did you just get a, a job right out of school? Well, or? yeah, I had a I had a job right out of school. Um, you know, the people ask me how I went from you know growing up in the country to being interested in computers and you know when you grow up on a farm uh, you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere and there's not a whole lot to do uh, we had one television set downstairs <laughs> and so when I was uh, going into high school my parents bought me a computer and so once the sun goes down um, you know and chores are done that was it I was on a computer uh, for, for a lot of my time uh, throughout high school and so, so I just really enjoyed it and decided that's what I wanted to do so that's how I ended up going to school for computer science and then um, when I got my degree it was late 90s mid to late 90s and uh, you know it was, we were going through the dot-com era brand new companies um, like uh, Netscape was brand new Yahoo was brand new uh, so Silicon Valley was really the place to be in terms of opportunity and new companies and things like that. So I left West Lafayette, Indiana, and 
had a job waiting for me out here in California, and then uh, and then drove out uh, on a Friday and started work on Monday. So, huh. uh, and I've been here for about a part of twenty years now. Wow. Okay. And so, uh, I mean, you, you've had a lot of experience. So this whole podcast could just be on your background. So we probably shouldn't. Uh, I'm curious to talk more about the Climate Corporation too, but uh, um, maybe just give a a brief overview on you know kind of your first job and some of the other jobs, but also you know, your last roles as a founder of HipLogic and CTO of mobile at Zynga and it'd be interesting to hear a little bit about those. Um, just kind of what your yeah. role was. Yeah. yeah. So, so I've, I've worked at some interesting companies here, uh, over the course of my career. So I, I uh, roughly got started, uh, at Sun Microsystems, uh, back in the day. And that was a 40,000 employee company, global company, um, you know, right in the heart of dot com. Uh, did a lot of enterprise software um, early in my career there, and then around 2000, I moved uh, into the DataSoft division within Sun um, and started my career in mobile. Uh, and that's where we did the first downloadable games uh, on on on, uh, on mobile handsets. So I did that for about five years um, within mobile. And in 2005, I left and actually started a, a startup here in Silicon Valley. So it was a complete venture backed. Um, you know, so almost from 40,000 people to one person and then <laughs> built that up uh, over the next six years. Uh, and that was an interesting time because it was before the iPhone and before Android. Uh, and we had a very similar similar technology stack to, to what Android eventually became. Um, a lot of work all over the world there. Uh, there. I was going to London a lot, Tokyo a lot, uh, Germany. Um, and eventually that company was acquired into Zynga. Uh, so Zynga was okay. an interesting point in its life cycle. It was uh, about 3,000 employees pre-IPO, um, and uh, and obviously their their main uh, their main product was gaming. And um, I, I hadn't really done too much in gaming before, but I had a really strong mobile background. At, at that point in 2011, I'd been in mobile for over 10 years. Um, so I was helping them build out their mobile expertise and their mobile teams uh, so they could be better at mobile games. And I stayed there for about three years. Um, and, and then, and why did, after, why, why did Zynga acquire HipLogic? And, and, and we travel um, around talking to telecom companies or who are kind of your, your clients for HipLogic? When I was, yeah, yeah at HipLogic, we, we did a lot of work with AT&T okay. as they were building out uh, their 3G network. Um, they, they needed examples, uh, an example content. We built uh, we built Facebook for uh, for Nokia devices. Uh, huh. We did a lot of work with Nokia. We built Twitter for for Nokia devices, and then we did you know we we had a lot of work with content developers. So we worked with CBS to build CBS Sports and CBS Pitch by Pitch Baseball, um, Universal Music Group. Um, a lot of work in the UK to distribute uh, around Europe uh, through the Carphone Warehouse, um, and then we did various news, sports, entertainment applications um you, you name it um we did a lot of content so having that that kind of experience doing mobile content and shipping it all over the world is what zynga really needed they okay. needed someone to come in and, and, and really bring that expertise in the house to help them ramp up uh their teams and and, and make some some really good uh mobile titles so that was a lot of that, that was the reason behind why zynga acquired Nick logic and it had a lot to do with my my role there. So rather than being dedicated to any one product at Zynga, I was 
based on my title was CTO Mobile Technology, and what that meant was I floated across all of the implementation teams. So I helped all of those teams sort of devise their strategy for for taking their app to mobile what types of things they should look at from a experience perspective and usability perspective, and then some things to really think about on the technical side that typically hang uh, engineers up who are who are new to mobile. Gotcha. Okay. Um, then I, I, after that, I ended up going to uh, Yahoo uh, for, for, for a little while. And uh, Yahoo, I changed my role up a little bit. I went in. As a, as a director in charge of uh, mobile product experience of, of all of Yahoo's mobile products. Um, and this was basically, again, applying my expertise of having done all that content to try and help Yahoo make better mobile applications, um, this time on the product side. And then pretty quickly ended up on the business operations team to help them understand where to start to invest uh, in new titles and, and where their growth would come from in, in coming years and whatnot. But while I was there at Yahoo, uh, I got a call uh, from a friend of mine who was working at the Climate Corporation at the time, and she said they were looking for uh, either an architect or a CTO. They didn't really quite know um, what they needed, uh, but they knew they needed something. And uh, I said uh, I'd be happy to uh, to talk to them and, and help them understand kind of what their requirements were and help them sort of understand what they were looking for, even if I wasn't necessarily the right person for that job. And that was sort of in the, the end of uh, 20, what was that, the end of 2014? I've been there a year now, so I started in March of, of 2015. So, yeah, that was the end of 2014. And, and uh, at the be- so that was around October, November, we started having conversations and then uh, – it turned into an opportunity that I couldn't really pass up. It was, uh, you know, the the combination of my ag background growing up with all the technology experience that I had uh, in, in Silicon Valley over the years, and then bringing those two things together. Um, so I couldn't really pass that up, and I started uh, March of 2015. So I'm just a little over a year now uh, into my role there at the Client Corporation. Nice. And and what. Uh with all your past experiences, were there certain experiences that uh, you think really helped your career or really changed your perspective on technology or anything that, uh, you know, I'm sure starting a company like HipLogic, you uh, you got to know the tech and business side a lot, which is uh, sometimes unusual for the tech folks. Um, yeah, is there anything that really sticks out kind of in your career that helped you? Yeah, I think... I think it's uh, I think it's interesting. I think uh, a couple things have really come into factor uh, with my my new role. Uh, early in my career at Sun, we were focused on enterprise software, and, and because we were working on the Solaris operating system. And what makes it enterprise is IT shops generally change or upgrade their operating systems every other year, and so they tend to make a very and their their budgets tend to be calendar based. So in January, they tend to make all of their software purchases. Uh, for the year, and that tends to run in operating systems every other year. So generally, they won't upgrade their entire fleet uh, except for other, every other year. And so that was interesting because now that I'm into ag, and you look at the way growers make the decisions about their operations, it's very seasonal, right? So um, they make a lot of their decisions in the fall about what they're going to do the following year, and once the decisions are set, they're locked in, and they don't change until the following season. So it's interesting. Uh, to sort of go through the evolution in tech, where we went from this type of old school enterprise 
you know, calendarized process to what we see more today on the mobile side is a very continuous process where apps come out all the time and they upgrade all the time, et cetera. But in, in ag, it's sort of more old school. Uh, that was an interesting one. Um, and then as I worked in mobile, um, you know, back in, in uh, 2000 when I started, there was no such thing as a downloadable app uh, for the most part to your cell phone, right? That didn't exist. And as we, we built out that technology, we were able to see sort of early adopters who would, uh, you know, embrace the technology and, 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 and spend the money for the latest and greatest cell phones. And they'd buy new phones. You know, we, had, we had folks that would buy new cell phones every six months just to get the faster processors and to be able to play games better and, and things like that. Those are sort of what I call cutting-edge adopters. And then over the years, as, it, as uh, the, the technology matured, you know, that you move from cutting-edge adopters to mass-market adopters, and then eventually you come out the other side to the long tail. These are people like your parents and your grandparents who now have iPhones or whatnot, and they have Facebook on their iPhones and, and, and things like that. It becomes just sort of a ubiquitous part of, uh, of, uh, of people's lives. And I'm seeing that, uh, or we're starting to see that in ag now as well with this kind of technology adoption. So we've got, we're kind of in the early adopter phase right now, I would say, where you know, early adopters are looking to digital and to, uh, to high technology products to help them drive their, their operation. And the more they become sort of commonplace with those early adopters, we see them start to get uh, picked up by your sort of mass, mass market consumers. Um, and eventually we'll get to the long tail to the point where this stuff is uh, pretty much ubiquitous across, you know, everyone's uh, farming enterprise. So there's been some interesting parallels uh, during my career that are that are playing playing out with my role at Climate. And I'm curious about analytics. So like Climate Corporation, you know, provides analytics insights. And so I'm sure, obviously, at Zynga and Yahoo, you were dealing probably a lot with. I know you weren't head of analytics, but in your role, you probably saw analytics quite a bit. Do you think that helped you, and do you think? Uh, like those areas are ahead of us in terms of analytics as f- where like the climate corporation was like, do you think that did that, uh, um, um, help you kind of get in groom you, I guess, yeah. for the climate corporation yeah. role. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say, you know, when I joined, when I joined Zynga in, in 2011, uh, you know, Zynga was at the time was sort of writing the book on how to, how to drive, you know, uh, business efficacy using data analytics. I mean, uh, the, the, and they were doing it in a couple of different ways. One is, you know, using analytics in every aspect of the operation, but also in the, just the, the sheer volume of, of data that was coming into that company and the way that they were using it. In Zynga, we were using we were using analytics on a 24-hour basis to, to tune variables across the business and, and improve outcomes, you know, day by day. That's how advanced the, the application was. Um, Interestingly, when I went to Yahoo, we were—I I was working to introduce Yahoo to that mode of operation. Yahoo is still very traditional in that it's sort of very month-month uh, month oriented. So, sort of a monthly aggregated analytics, you would see how you performed at the end of the month, and you would make tweaks or adjustments for the next month. But that's—that's that's, you know, that's legacy thinking. It's—it's it's legacy behavior. Uh, in, in tech and, and Yahoo is sort of coming at that because that's the way they've done it traditionally in the web space. That's how we always did it. Um, in today's uh, mobile and consumer space, we're able to actually do that uh, in near real time. And I say near real time because analytics are generally five to ten minutes behind kind of what, what's happening as the as the data comes in and, and works its way through the pipeline. And so now with Climate Corporation, um, you know, you think about how 
you know, what, what affects farming, you know, and the number one thing is the weather, right? And the weather happens constantly. It's constantly changing. It happens every day. Weather events happen every day. Uh, and those variables are uh, in those models are, are tuning in real time. And so the, the data that we get is very real time. And so we need to, we need to create those analytics and those, those, uh, those insights. Uh, at least daily, you know, if if not in in, in real time, because uh, you know our our farmers' operations are happening in real time. You know, getting getting an insight at the end of the month that uh, you know you're you're getting low on on uh, your your fertilization uh, program is not that helpful. Right, <laughs> getting it the next day has as as, uh, as you start to go into uh, a deficit. That's that's what's useful, right? Interesting. And can you provide just a a brief overview on what Climate Corporation is. We've skirted around it, but just so folks know what you guys do. Sure. So, um, you know, in a nutshell, Climate is a data analytics company. And, and what we're doing is we're, we're bringing data analytics to agriculture. Um, you know, there's a lot of terms. For, we, talk about, we talk about precision ag in the space, digital ag. What do these things mean? You know, precision ag is really the ability to precisely – uh, perform some action um, in the field, right? Precisely plant a seed, precisely close the furrow, precisely apply fertilization or, or uh, seed treatments, you know, that sort of thing, as well as to, to measure, you know, what's, what's going on. Um, we look at precision planting equipment, you know, we're controlling the downforce of each individual row, we're GPS controlling each individual uh, clutch on those rows. Um, and the digital is the flip side to that. So, uh, digitally, what we want to do is we want to record all those parameters for each one of those seeds that we stick in the ground. Um, that's the ideal, right? The ideal is, is, to, is to be able to monitor and understand every single seed that we plant uh, on that field. And then what we do from there is we monitor all the rest of the variables. So we want to understand soil type. We want to understand the pH, you know, conductivity, all, all, those, all those aspects that go into the soil. Then we want to understand hydrology. We want to understand uh, how well the field drains, so if it's tiled or not. Um, we want to understand the topology so we can better understand how it might drain or pond or things like that. Um, we also want to understand your your practice. So are you a no-till, strip-till? You know, what's, what's, what are your farming practice? Are you applying manure in the fall or not? Um, we want to understand what your general fertility program are. Is you, are you doing, you know, uh, everything in the fall? Are you doing a spring application? Are you going back through and doing a side dress? You know, what what's, what's what are your what are your uh, programs around your fertility? And then of course we uh, we have all the data around the weather. So we have uh, you know 3D Doppler radar, and in, in, in many instances we've got a lot of infield. Um, scientific instruments that are, that are uh, you know, reporting uh, data to us that we ingest. And we take all of that data into a system and we start to build models. And the models uh, start to predict what is, is going on at a very uh, localized level inside that field, um, which helps us to start to understand, you know, what that plant needs, what stage it's at, um, if it's going through stressors, um, if it needs uh, more fertilization, if it needs other micronutrients, uh, if it's getting too much water, not enough water, um, what kind of heat units are going into that plant uh, to, to start to affect the phenology. Um, all these things to basically get us to help us understand yield better and, and what, the, what the results of that, the, you know, all those inputs and decisions are uh, in terms of having a better crop. 
and that could be everything from different seed selections uh, next next fall when you're making your seed orders um, to different uh, you know fertility practices, different tillage practices, um, all these types of things. But we're at the end of the day, we're a data company, and we're we're uh, we're modeling what happens in agriculture in data. Uh, to give us better insights about uh, about uh, some some different decisions and practices to make on the farm. So, well, that's a very good explanation. Thank you. And uh, uh, how do you get a lot of that data, like the moisture levels and a lot, you know, the weather? Of course, that's available, but maybe not even on the the local level you're talking about. Um, how do you? Where do you get your data sources from? Yeah, the the, the short answer is everywhere we can. <laughs> um, the, the the long answer. Is a little bit more complicated. So we have we have a, a variety of, of sources of weather data, for example. So we don't get just one source of weather data. We have multiple companies that provide weather data, um, even all the way down to to you know sort of home hobbyist backyard weather stations that that are that are huh. um, you know uh, reporting data. And then of course we have growers with uh, connected weather stations as well in their fields. Um, and we do a lot of ground truthing ourselves. So we've got uh, we've got about uh, 3,500 of just internal test acres uh, at, at, at Climate, and then another 25,000 uh, uh, acres as part of our test network. So we have partners that uh, are part of a test network that uh, have enhanced instruments on their fields that help us ground truth a lot of the uh, a lot of the data and the sensor data that we collect to make sure that our, our models are accurate. Uh, so that's weather. We also do a lot of satellite imagery. So we have multiple satellite vendors, which provide multiple different resolutions of satellite imagery. Um, and again, we're doing a lot of ground truthing to see what we can, you know, be able to reliably uh, tell from from satellite imagery. Um, and then we get to, you know, soil test results. The so soil tests, uh, you know, come back in a variety of ways. You could have uh, something as old school as, you know, your your agronomy uh, uh, intern going out to your field, pulling soil samples, send them off to the, to the lab in, in bags, all the way to something like Varus, which is a uh, sort of a high-tech uh, machine you can pull behind and, and cover the entire field and get the, get the, uh, sort of a, a map of your, your soil uh, right there in the field digitally. So, um, and, and some some other things we're working on is uh, is sensors. So in the field to to uh, to be able to understand what's going on with the soil. Um, so it happens a, a lot of different ways. Um, we can even use uh, satellite imagery to detect ponding, for example, um, and uh, to, to understand kind of what the soil hydrology is is doing at any one time. So there's a lot of different ways we acquire data and a lot of different ways that we sort of ground truth and and prove out that data as well interesting and so if uh you know with all this data you show a farmer like hey this uh you know these plants right here they're low on water um do you get down to like that plant level are you more by acre and then what does the farmer actually go out and water those plants or what does the farmer do with the data i mean of course it depends upon what insights you're actually providing um, but yeah, yeah. so um, yeah, so water is an interesting one because um, you know right now we're we're focused really in the in the in the corn belt and most of that is not under irrigation. Um, however, the guys that are in, under irrigation, obviously they have the option, right? They can they can if there's not enough water, they can actually irrigate turn that irrigation on. Um, we're we we have a roadmap of products that we're developing uh, under irrigation that would actually include you know soil moisture sensors. 
Um, when you're not under irrigation, we can do a lot with satellite imagery. So we can sort of detect crop stress and things through satellite imagery. Um, now, that may or may not be something that you can do. A lot of it has to do with fertility. So if we detect a lack of fertility, you can actually go out and do a side dress, um, you know, as part of your fertility program. If it's too dry and you're not under irrigation, you're just sort of at the will of, uh, of, of Mother Nature there. But some of the things that we do is, you know, if we think that it's going to be an overly dry summer, for example, you may want to choose a more drought-resistant uh, seed hybrid. So there are some things you can do holistically as part of your, your ag program to, 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 uh, to uh, sort of mitigate some of the risk across some of these factors. Gotcha. And a side note, you guys don't do any weather insurance anymore, right? Do you guys? I know at one point that's no, tough. no, okay. Yeah, we've, we're we essentially divesting. You know, the company has gone through a couple of changes, um, and uh, we've we've uh, divested the insurance business. And we've also we're also in the middle of divesting our precision uh, hardware business as well uh, with Deer. And basically, the the point of that is to really get down to the data analytics part of the business and really allow us to focus okay. on on just that piece. What, what's the what was the precision hardware piece? That was uh, the precision planning uh, company that oh, okay. uh, that client acquired uh, several years ago. So. Uh, we're still being. We're, this is a joint partnership with Deer, and, and it's it's been announced. It's it's uh, it's out there, and uh, Deer is going to get the hardware piece of that business, and we're keeping the software and the insights piece. So gotcha. it also gives us great connectivity uh, in in John Deere cabs uh, with our WPS products. So. Okay, so let, let's talk a little bit more of the technology side of things. So you're talking data and. Uh, you know, you provide some really useful insights like on an acre or plant basis. So. From the architecture standpoint, how do you set all this up and put all this data in? I mean, do you uh, model it around like on a acre basis or a plant basis, and what tools do you use to do that? I mean, whatever is confidential, you can leave out, of course. But uh, just curious how you set yeah, it up. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, um, yeah so so um, it, it, a little bit of it depends on the data source. Um, so, for example, um, satellite data comes in. We've got multi-spectral satellite imagery um, that comes in from different vendors at different um, at different uh, resolution types. And one of the features we're rolling out for this year is a new, um, what I'll call it as a sort of a high-fidelity resolution. So it used to be that we had two different resolutions in our satellite providers, and it was very noticeable if you got an image that was higher resolution versus lower resolution. What we're... What we then do, we have a pipeline uh, uh, set up to blend those essentially with a, some, some complex mathematical models that allows us to get a, a high fidelity derived image that's a, that's a combination of, of both of those providers. And so we're, what we're able to do then is, is give you uh, great fidelity imagery throughout the season independent of, of vendor. So that's kind of a a semi-complex pipeline there where we've got data sets that are coming in from different vendors, then they're combined mathematically to produce a derived data set uh, that ends up being the ultimate product that uh, that uh, is available to our customers. Um, other things, things like planting. Uh, planting data comes up right off the equipment um, and, uh, and and flows up to our cloud, and then we have to do some uh, some 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 cleaning on that data because the data sets tend to be fairly fairly noisy, or fairly dirty, uh, coming off the equipment. So we need to uh, 
clean that to make sure it's it's applies properly to the to the field boundaries and things like that. Um, another one is yield data. So yield data coming off the harvesters uh, uh, also has to be cleaned. The uh, it's interesting what the data looks like coming off of some of these equipment. So you might be in the same field, but the the equipment may actually record sort of awkward passes as you know, like one pass around might be one file, and then another file might be a few more passes in the middle. And so what we then have to do is take all of those files and produce a single yield map for the entire field. Um, so there's a, there's huh. a, a fair amount of post-processing that has to happen to clean that data up and, and make it useful. And that's a lot of what we bring to the table, right? So guys have been saving their, their planted maps and yield maps on, on thumb drives and on their hard drives for a bunch of years, and really they don't really know what to do with them because uh, there hasn't been uh, good tools to really help growers visualize their, their data sets. And that's one of the things that climate is really focusing on is, is, is taking that data and making it very easy to use uh, by the grower uh, directly. So they can upload their data sets to us. We'll run them through some, some algorithms to clean them up, to combine them, and then start to create some uh, easy-to-consume maps and, and visualizations of that data. Oh, that's nice. It's nice to have that immediate immediate value and feedback you're giving to the farmers. Interesting. Um, and I what, is, what does it take for a, a farm to get set up with a climate corporation? Like, do you guys go out there and um, and look at the farm and uh, doing measurements? I'm guessing not because you, you probably get a lot of it from the satellite. But, yeah, what does it take to get set up? Yeah, so um, there's a couple of different ways to get started with, uh, with climate products. Um, you know, our, our climate field view uh, product is downloadable from the App Store. Um, anyone can go and download it onto your iPad or your iPhone or, or your Android phone and get started. You know, it's free to create an account, it's free to try out, um, get used to some of the features and things. When you want to start to get data off your, uh, off, your har- off your hardware, we have a product called the 640 Drive or the Field View Drive product. That was a part of our 640 Labs acquisition a year or so ago. And what the drive is, it's a small sort of hockey puck-shaped device, and it plugs right in the CAN bus of your, uh, of your equipment, and it will stream the data that's coming off your equipment right onto your iPad and then right up to the cloud. Um, and oh, wow. that's available as, as, a, as a single purchase um, package, and it comes with sort of a, a mounting adapter to mount the iPad in your CAD, and, and it's a great way... Uh, to go from sort of, uh, you know, saving your data files on thumb drive to all of a sudden being cloud-connected and, and starting to get in-cab visualizations. And as part of that, you get our FieldView CAD product. And what FieldView CAD does is it, it visualizes that data that's coming off your hardware in real time on the iPad in your CAD. So you can actually see uh, the data as you're planting or as you're harvesting, and you can start to overlay that. For example, if you're harvesting, you can overlay those maps in real time with your planted, your as planted maps, and you can start to see sort of hybrid performance and things like that in the CAD in real time. So uh, that's that's uh, an interesting thing. That's that's part of our FieldView Plus uh, bundle. And then in our FieldView Pro, uh, that's a sort of uh, all-in feature set. This is what gives you, you know, your, your advanced uh, insights from satellite imagery, it also gives you your uh, your advanced insights about your fertility programming, your nitrogen management practices, and uh, some of the new features we're rolling out there is you know last year we rolled out nitrogen management for your field, and what's coming soon is uh, nitrogen management uh, down at your subfield and your zone level. So we're we're starting to get from 
uh, from the whole field level down to zone management. And zones could be based on anything. They could be based on your soil maps, for example, or they could be based on yield maps from prior seasons or you know, any number of things. Um, and then in, uh, in data, we're actually trying out some, uh, some script creation uh, utilities, so helping, uh, helping folks to, to design some planning prescriptions around those same types of zones. They could be whether it's your soil maps or your, your harvest maps or, or past data or sets or things like that. So sort of three tiers to the product set today, but um, anyone can download it and get started for free and, and start to try out those features. And um, starting in, in 2017, um, what we're going to be doing is, is uh, anyone's going to be able to try out all those features. Um, and what we're talking about doing now is, is maybe on a two-field limit for some of those high-end features, uh, but you can try out all the features that we have uh, for absolutely free. Wow, wow, okay. Well, I know we only have about five minutes, and I have a, a few questions, so uh, we'll run through these uh, fast. Do, do you guys have an, an API at all? Can other people build on top of your data? We, we do. Interestingly, that's one of the things that I'm uh, working on now is actually to take that API and uh, open it up as part of our, our infrastructure um, today, it only exists as a, as a private mechanism uh, with some of our partners. Um, but uh, but but uh, check back with us soon because that's an area where we're uh, we're we're uh, we're, uh, we're investing quite a bit in. Oh, that'd be exciting! You can almost uh, create a, a farming app store. That's kind of your uh, specialty. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now I can, now I see why the climate one reason why the climate corporation hired you. Well, for many reasons, but that's yeah. that's, that's just another one. Um, yeah, it's been a good fit. Yeah, I bet. And uh, and what are you know what are you looking for in in terms of two things? One is, um, you know, skill sets. If people, you know, what type of skill sets are you always looking for? And then, or what type of technologies do you wish were out there? You know, that you could either um, partner with or buy. Um, if you had your dream dream list. Yeah. Um, so in terms of skill sets, um, we're always looking for mobile developers. Uh, it doesn't seem like we can ever hire enough. Uh, we're also always looking for data analysts uh, so, so people to, to be able to handle this data, uh, take a look at it, analyze it, produce insights from it, things like that. And then additionally, some areas where we're, we're really investing a lot is in the sort of sensor and embedded hardware space. So um, you know the sensors that are that are helping us to to, to ground truth all that data, uh, the embedded hardware space as we build out the drive to, to build out additional hardware compatibility. Um, you know we're, we're we're testing air seeders now and additional brands of combines, and we're working on going international as well, which introduces you know new hardware compatibility uh, matrices. So kind of those three areas I would say you know mobile and engineering uh, data and then uh, uh, sensor sensor integration and, and uh, embedded uh, systems integration gotcha okay and um, I mean this is the the last uh, question but is it a CTO and can you give the audience kind of a, an idea of um, kind of your overall arching duties and priorities um, you know of course you're ahead of the technology but what does that mean, kind of on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis? What do you focus on? Yeah, sure. It's uh, it's interesting because people you know, a lot of things at different companies. But uh, my role at Climate is, is is largely two things. Um, one is to really get out in front of the architecture, the technical architecture of the company, so that the investments that we're making today uh, have have benefit to us 
uh, over the next several years, right? Uh, and as a startup, you tend to build things fast and furiously. They're not always the right things. And, and if you have to throw it away the next year, as you get more funding and, and rebuild it, that's fine. But when you start to become an established company in a real business, the, the, the investments that you make in technology and engineering, you want them to pay off over multiple years. So that's 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 part of sort of what my day job, my day-to-day job. And as my as a secondary part of that is to get way out in front. So for example, the end of this week, I'll be in Indiana at the uh, the AgBot Challenge, and that's a that's a it's a, it's a robotics competition basically to uh, to plant uh, to plant uh, corn. Uh, using uh, autonomous vehicles. Um, so that's sort of the other half. is a very forward-looking part of my job in, in terms of what are the new technologies that are going to be in five years from now, ten years from now, and what should the company be, who should the company be partnering in with, what should we be investing in. You, know, you mentioned the, the API as a, as a service. That's another one um, that I, I'm spending a lot of time on to, to really understand how we can grow our business what the overall business should look like and the types of partners and things that we should be we should be setting up. So that's kind of my job in a nutshell. There's there's a fair amount to it. I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty busy. I bet I bet. And uh, okay, now this is the last one. What and, and as far as a uh, payback? I mean, do uh, are farmers looking at a certain payback on you know working with you guys? Or I mean, that must be hard sometimes to uh, figure out an exact ROI. So you provide lots of helpful insights. Yeah, but... yeah, it's a it's a good point because we're in the decision business, right? And uh, it's hard to say what would have happened had you made a different decision. Right. But, uh, <laughs> I can give you an example of of what our our you know farmers are great scientists, you know, and and what we see is, you know, if we if we make a suggestion in the product, what farmers will do is they'll leave test strips in, or or they'll do side by side comparisons and things and compare our our suggestions or insights against either the way they've traditionally done it or, or whatever the alternative decision might have been. And so they're proving us, you know, even on their own, own farms to understand kind of what the benefit is of the product and what's that, what that is worth. Um, and it's early days, you know, this, this whole digital ag space is new. I'd say 2015 was kind of our, our first really valuable product um, that, that helped quite a few folks uh, with that, you know, we had such a wet spring in the Midwest last year that uh, the fertility advisor in our product really helped quite a few guys understand um, that they needed an additional side dress. And we had one customer, for example, that you know, after he ran the numbers, he had a he had a net uh, a net bump of another twenty twenty or twenty five thousand dollars in one particular field where he actually used the tool, modeled his nitrogen, and and, and uh, the the tool was predicting a, a shortfall at the end of the season and he went in and he uh, did an additional side dress and what he did was he left a check strip and his check strip after two weeks was already turning yellow uh, with uh, with nitrogen distress um, so he was a happy camper you know he's <laughs> and that that's that's kind of the, the use case that we one of the one of the testimonials that we use to you know build confidence in the product and show what it can do and that's just one decision you know now we're getting into you know, hybrid selection and seeding prescriptions and, and how that results in, in yield benefit. You know, we've got research going into pest and disease control where we can start to detect pest pressure and things like that via satellite imagery. So, you know, we're just scratching the surface here, but, um, you know, we we, uh, we pride ourselves in, in working with our customers and really helping them to get benefit. This isn't this isn't just a you know pay because it's nice to use. This is a this is a scenario where we are generating real value, real increased additional value for the grower, 
and you know our model is just to, to capture a, a, a percentage of that so Interesting. And, and as you grow and more farmers use it, I imagine it becomes more valuable to the farmer, but also like the network, you know, like learning between farms and areas. And that's, that's right. That's right. The more data we have, the better, uh, the better our models get. Um, so, um, you know, in this account, you know, the same goes for people with their historical data, as well as the more uh, people we get on the platform with different, you know, different seed types, different soil types, different fertility programs and things. We just have more and more data sets. It becomes just a big, you know, experimentation model where you're running all kinds of experiments in, in real time and you can see all the data as a result. So um, it gets more and more valuable the more people use it. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, a, it's early days, but um, I think, I think probably in five years we're going to look around and I think probably most people are going to be using some sort of digital ag product uh, to help them make their decisions. And in 10 years, we'll probably, you know, it's probably going to be hard to guess. I wouldn't be surprised if we had robots out, you know, doing a lot of uh, fertility management, um, pest and disease management, um, and, and everything's going to be co- controlled digitally. So it's, uh, it's, it's neat times for, for agriculture. Interesting. Well, as I, uh, as I, promised the second time that was my last question so uh, this is this has, been, this has been great and yeah i think the climate corporation is pretty lucky finding you uh grew up on a farm and then with all your technology background that's a, that's a rare find i'm guessing so uh yeah and it was really interesting hearing about what we've done so definitely appreciate it yeah it's uh it's fun it's fun for me too uh you know it's, it's great to be able to apply technology to uh to something as, as meaningful as agriculture so and and finally your dad's like well finally i can talk to you about something <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> my dad my dad loves talking to me about my job now <laughs> yeah, so exactly. it's, uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of fun for that too that's gonna be his new job just advisor to mark um yeah but, <laughs> anyways but definitely appreciate it and uh and appreciate your time and thank you everyone for listening to another episode of fiber labs and uh we'll see you next time thanks mark all right thank you bye everyone